You're listening to Toronto's number one real estate podcast, powered by Watson Estates. The most successful local real estate investing starts right here, right now. Here's your host, broker, investor, and social media influencer, Bradley Watson. Good morning, investors. Bradley here from Watson Estates. Happy Saturday, August 15th. We've made it through another week. Only two weeks left until school. And I still think there's a lot of confusion as it relates to what that will look like. But what I'm realizing as we enter mid-August is we don't have any CNE or air show this year. There is nothing to give kids anxiety that school is around the corner. But don't you worry. I am here to remind them. We're going to talk about that in a second, but today we got a great lineup of content as it relates to Toronto real estate. Number one, when will rent rates reach their bottom? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? And are mortgage deferrals expected to end or be extended in Canada? We're going to talk a little bit about that. The answer, I think, will surprise you. It surprised me. And we're going to discuss what that can look like. And are we building homes fast enough? Are we able to keep up with the demand in our area? And we're making progress, guys. We are, and the numbers are starting to come out what it looked like earlier this year. So we're going to dive into that article as well. And so as we round into September, it makes me wonder, because bullying is a very real thing. It's a very serious thing. It's a very serious thing. (laughs) Oh, bad timing. Bad timing on the laugh. Okay, no laughter. Go backwards, backtrack. (laughs) But it makes me wonder for the kids who stay home, it's like an extra level of complexity. Like the kids who stay home or the kids who go to school, like which kids are the finger and which will be the nose? Don't hate, no picking on each other. But school is so complicated nowadays. Why can't it be like the good old days? You know, when cavemen went to school, they didn't even have to take history. That's why I laughed. I'm not laughing at bullying. <laughs> we have a lot of fun here. Make sure you give us a subscribe, give us a like, leave us a comment, and uh, anything you want us to cover as it relates to our market, we are here to help. And I want to know as an investor and as a broker for my clients as well, what is the latest and what comes next in our beautiful city of Toronto. All right, guys, you ready? Let's jump into it. We're going to start talking about our first article that come from Toronto Stories. Rent for both one and two bedrooms in Toronto continue to decline. So let's jump into this. Uh, obviously, we've this comes from PadMapper, by the way. There's many publications that kind of track rent rates, and they don't come out when the TREB stats do, but we start to get them a little bit later. And so that's what we're seeing today. We're able to cover what happened exactly in July, and we've been tracking it even closer than this, but every so often when you get the monthly stats, it's good to get a bit of a refresher on where do we stand. So here's what they say. If you've been thinking about finding a new condo in Toronto, now is definitely a great time to start looking. Rents continue to hit another record month of declines, according to the latest rent report from PadMapper. According to the report, the average rent for both a one-bedroom and two-bedroom in Toronto is down 8.7% and 7% respectively. That since the last time last year, this time last year. Okay, so here's but obviously we have had significant price drops. So those that number I am almost don't even care about in all in all honesty. Here is what matters. What happened this past month? Well, here's the stats. Despite the declines, Toronto still remains the most expensive market across this across Canada, with one bedroom rent dropping 3.7% to 2100 last month. 
$2,100, guys. That is the figure. While two bedrooms dipped 1.9% at 26 50. We're going to talk about surrounding cities and what this means because 2100 is nearing, in my opinion, a bottom. I am actually surprised it dropped that much in one month given how much it has already dropped. That is interesting, but there has to be a bottom. There has to be. There has to be, <laughs> say investors across the city. <laughs> Meanwhile, neighboring cities continue to see large year-over-year -year rental growth rates. Here's the combination, guys, the one-two punch. We look at cities like Barrie. Barrie's one-bedroom went up 5.1% last month, which was the largest monthly rental growth in the nation, and 13.1% year-over-year. Oshawa. Oshawa climbed 15% from this time last year, and Hamilton's one-bedroom rent has jumped 9.8% year-over-year. Are you seeing a bit of a trend here? The closer you are to the city of Toronto, the faster rents are coming down. The further you are from the city of Toronto, rents are skyrocketing. They're skyrocketing. And this is where you can map it out and say on your little pad mapper, there's going to be a limit. There's a bottom. There is a bottom. For the coming months, I expect to see, this is a quote, Toronto and Vancouver rents remain in the negative year over year as renters shift their apartment preferences given the pandemic. That quote, I the reason I say that's their quotes because I wouldn't say that because duh, <laughs> obviously, obviously you you is there any chance in the world that the Toronto rent rates are going to catch back up to where they were this time last year? Absolutely zero chance, zero percent on that test. But you showed up, so we'll pass you anyways. So let's talk about what why I believe we're nearing a bottom. In fact, again, that shocked me that we even had that much decrease in the last month. It shocked me because I thought last month we really had probably reached the bottom. And I'm not perfect. My crystal ball has a couple cracks in it. A couple days ago, we saw a one bedroom unit in Brampton. You guys will remember from our podcast rented an average in Brampton of 1900 in the second quarter of 2020. Okay. Mississauga on average is 2036. So if you wanted to rent in Mississauga for 2036 or in Toronto now for 2100, and of course Mississauga has probably gone up since that stat as well, that gap is closing. Do you want to live in Toronto or do you want to live in Mississauga? I guess there is a short-term preference for living further away from the city, but is that going to be long-standing? And if I can lock myself into a rent, a rate that is good, that I know when I got to go back to work mid-next year... I'm going to be in a position to do that. If you don't think that that's going to happen, then go for the Mississauga deal. <laughs> but it's still far more expensive. That's the one point. But it's also, keep in mind, still significantly more expensive than places like Barrie. When I look at the chart for Barrie, right now they're renting a one-bedroom for $1,640 and a two-bedroom for $1,690. There's still quite a gap. So if you're comfortable going further out, there's still a deal in there, which argues, this is my thinking, the gap, this gap that exists if anything, tells us two things. One, that we're not going to see prices in Toronto rents declining significantly anymore. Yes, it went month over month, it went down, but year over year, that year over year is going to stay low because it's obviously we've, we're feeling from what happened last year, but it's not going to come skyrocketing up, but it's not going to go down either. Those are the two points. But what I also see, those are the two points for Toronto, but what I also see happening as a trend longer term for the coming months is I believe if you are renting outside the city of Toronto, I believe those rents will continue to go up because there is still quite a big gap between further cities and Toronto itself. So if you have... If you're a landlord and you're looking to fill these units, maybe wait a little bit. But if you're a tenant and you're trying to find something now, 
then uh, you might want to lock that down sooner rather than later. It's also good news for those of you who are going to jump into the investing scene into the winter time, which is what my guys are doing. It pains me as a realtor to say, wait, but that's what I'm saying to some of my clients because I want them to get the best deal. And if they can get a higher rent rate when they do so, win, win. You don't need to be a rocket scientist to see that we're reaching the bottom. But then as I kind of think about it, rockets don't go down, they go up. So rewind, rewind, backtrack. It doesn't take the sun to figure it out. <laughs> you know, because it, it's got a million degrees. Uh, anyways, moving on. Okay, next one. Will mortgage deferrals get extended in Canada? Guys, I had to double read this article. I was shocked because I'm like, oh, here we go. I'm going to prove my point once again. Look at me. Look at me and my damaged crystal ball. Clearly, I know nothing. <laughs> Thank God we do this daily. <laughs> Will mortgage deferrals get extended in Canada? My understanding up until this morning was, yeah, yeah, they will. Of course. Why not? Because, in fact, they make money to defer it and you get more money down the road. Why not? Well, yes, the lenders are okay with it, but we never really heard from the mortgage insurers. For example, our friend CMHC. They never really... We never saw anything about that in the articles. Well, what if I told you that the mortgage insurers, this is how they say it, they're cool to extending six-month pandemic payment deferrals, a terrible way to word the article and throws everybody off. But here's what the article reads, okay? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dive into it. We're going to talk a little bit about what they're saying because ultimately their voice is what counts. They're the ones that are, they're higher up, right? We want to know what's the Bank of Canada saying. Homeowners counting on mortgage payments being deferred beyond the six-month break they have received during the pandemic might want to reconsider. So if you're planning to get more than six months, maybe reconsider as home loan insurers that have permitted postponements appear cool toward extending the holiday. This is why I'm like, the wording is really off. The way they, this is a terrible, terribly written article courtesy of the Financial Post. But we get to the point. We will get to the point. Case in point, CMHC, the Federal Housing Agency, allowed lenders to offer six-month payment deferrals on the loans it insures against borrowers defaulting. But the Crown Corporation, CMHC, also told the Canadian Credit Union Association last month that a half-year break was likely enough. CMHC wants their cake and they eat it too. They get those uh, DQ cakes. Lining up in the heat of summer, right? They're, they're out here saying, we have ourselves a crisis. We're going to drop double digits. Oh, let's uh, make it a little easier for them to apply for mortgages. And also, we don't need the deferral. We'll figure it out. <laughs> you can't have it both ways, man. See, part of my thinking that we were going to extend it was actually based on CMHC's perspective of us having fear in the market rounding into Q4. But if they're doing moves like this and they're confident about the market, if they are confident, I sure am. And this is what CMHC says. At this time, there are no plans to extend the deferral period. CMHC and fellow mortgage deferral insurer, insurer Canada Guarantee Mortgage Insurance and Genworth have also created a, quote, default management playbook, according to the CCUA. A copy of the document that was posted by the credit union group said it aims to help lenders to help borrowers, although not necessarily with a deferral. So here's how they explain it. The deferral based on everything we know so far, is not going to get extended. However, we have a plan in place that will allow these lenders on a case-by-case -case basis to help these borrowers who are still relying on deferrals. If the borrower cannot be helped, quote, with 
the existing default management tools, stable source of some revenue, then there are few options as there are no government programs currently available. So they're trying to set things up to help them. And let's see what they say. So right now, if we look at the stats, just as a refresh, 760,000 borrowers have deferred or skipped mortgages. During the pandemic, that is three quarters of a million dollars. It's also 16% of mortgages in the bank's portfolios, which sounds very scary. But listen to this. And we've seen this in other, we've seen this very recently, actually, a lot of them talking about this. Lenders have been seeing deferral numbers drop, though, amid the recent economic reopening. Genworth Canada, the country's largest private sector residential mortgage insurer, earlier this month said it expects the, quote, vast majority of deferrals will end with borrowers returning to their regular scheduled payments. They're not concerned. They're not concerned. And we are seeing banks saying the same thing. A lot of them are gone. Like the vast majority of them are like, okay, thank you. Thanks for my free deferral, moving on. However, the company expects that a subset of insured mortgages with payment deferrals will likely end up in default after the deferral period ends. So in other words, the deferral cliff still exists. It's just more of a, I don't know, a rock. <laughs> As a result, the company and its lenders have plans in place to increase loss mitigation activities to increase the increase in reported delinquencies as expected. Da, 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 da. All right, so here's my thinking on all of this, guys. Based on what I'm hearing from the insurers, if they had their way as of right now, again, things are reopening, we're not going backwards, at least at this point, is let's get rid of the deferrals. Let's get rid of the deferrals and we'll take care of them. We have these tools in place. I mean, realistically, you could have had a mortgage holiday in the first place. They're even saying, if you want, and you still got your four months of holidays available for your mortgage, just do that. You want a deferral, they're still there. It's not like they're gone. It's just not being held at the federal level. So the Bank of Canada, they really, like this back and forth between what the lenders are saying, the CMHC is saying, it's the, made the Bank of Canada look like a pencil sharpener, right? They got to stop going in circles and get to the point. But you generate, the generation alpha is out there, the kids going back to school, you guys, you wouldn't know about that. <laughs> What's a pencil sharpener? <laughs> I used to use a Palm Pilot. <laughs> All right, based on the recommendations of lenders, it sounded like an extension would be needed, but now all three insurers are saying it's not needed. This, in my opinion, is still good news. We need to pull the Band-Aid at some point, and if people, if now's the time to do it, now's the time to do it, and if we are not in a crisis, contrary to what CMHG has said with their predictions of prices, then maybe now is a wonderful time. Rip it off. All right, let's do a little bit of fun stuff before we jump into our final topic here. The idea of GTA neighborhoods which five GTA neighborhoods are doing the best as far as price growth in 2020? Well, if you want the full list, you can go for it. But uh, just to give you the number one neighborhood, these are the top GTA districts, which I think is really funny because they're all in Toronto. I question whether it's actually GTA because literally they're all in Toronto. Maybe Toronto is actually experiencing a price growth. <laughs> We've got the Annex, Young St. Clair, Castle Loma, which would they are number one with a 25.7% increase. If you want the full list, you can jump over. Remax published that those numbers. That runs from January to June 2020 in the detached home segments only. Go check it out. Kind of fun info if you want to map out where your properties are. If you guys aren't using House Sigma to know the value of your home, you're really missing out. That's House Sigma. It's a great platform if you want to just get a heads up on where's my portfolio stand. I want a quick numbers. It's a good way to do that. Um, I don't think technology will, will replace realtors anytime soon, but it's absolutely beneficial, which is why I recommend it to all of my investors. All right, CP24, uh, then another outside of the, the mortgage deferral rock that we have, we also have this risk of COVID cases. 
COVID cases, people getting sick. <coughs> well, Pam, one of the most loved Canadians, the health, I think she's a health mister, federal health. I don't know what she is. I just see that she's she's painted in a really bad light. She's she's not a friend of many in Canada, but she's now saying we need to be careful. We need to prepare for new COVID surges this fall. And so national modeling projections, which they released on Friday, namely yesterday, or in other words, yesterday, show an unexpected peak in cases this fall, followed by ongoing ups and downs, which Chief Public Health Officer, there's her title, Teresa Tam says could overwhelm health systems in different parts of the country. Guys, we are not through the woods yet. That's why health officials across Canada are now getting ready for outbreaks that could surpass the highest spikes of the virus experienced in March and April to ensure they're ready for the worst. So the health ministers, the, the top people in our country as it relates to health, believe there will be a second wave. Will that trickle down into our economy? Oh, I sure hope not. <laughs> I sure hope not. But it's okay, because if we're being smart investors right now, we're waiting anyways, right? We're not, we're not pulling the trigger this second. We got time. Let's watch. You know, I have an idea. Let's really figure out if COVID is going to explode by cramming those kids back in school. Let's see if that helps. Maybe. <laughs> All right, let's be honest. Even with the real risk of COVID, I still feel like the worst thing you're going to find in school cafeterias these days is the food. <laughs> All right, another fun topic here. CMHC plead for high-risk mortgage angers lenders. I took a few points from this Global Mail article. I think it uh, adds value to this controversy right now. It's got a lot of people up in arms against the CMHC. The mortgage insurer does not, they do not, this is a fun fact. I didn't know this. They do not disclose their market share. They don't disclose their market share, making it hard for us to gauge how much CMHC has lost to competitors, which is why it's really interesting they're writing open letters to them, right? The CMHC as a crown corporation has the legislative authority to make policy decisions as it sees fit so as to prevent erosion of the mortgage market. This specific business decision was made independently from the finance department. Oh, CMHC did it on their own. They didn't actually do it because they were supposed to do it with the government. Ah. Yeah, that would piss some people off. Dan Eisner, CEO of Calgary-based mortgage brokerage, another very interesting point. True North Mortgage said both Genworth and Canada Guarantee, quote, promptly contacted them after CMHC said its new criteria and urged them to, quote, send us a complete package of deals. When I first read that, I thought, you know what? They're just saying, they're scooping the business. They are scooping the business, but no, 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 that's not what's happening here. They said that not not only those that CMHC would no longer approve, which is actually a very good point. And, and I think the way that this article talks about it, it, I forget how did they bring it up as a point. It was such a good point. It was kind of like you get all the you're an insurance company, right? Think about it rationally. It was such a good point. If you're if you're an insurance company and you just there was a, a the bottom the bottom of the pile, they no longer qualify. As an insurance company, do you want to run in and scoop all these bottoms, like all the bottom feeders, all the high risk people? No, you don't. And that's actually a really good point. It's kind of like, send us all your business. Give us the whole list because we don't just, we don't want the crap. We want all of it. Good point. And maybe they're stealing more business than even the bottom feeders because they don't just want the bottom of the pile. All right. Here's our last point, guys. Hope you're ready for it. Thanks for staying awake. <clears throat> Wake up. Hey, Jimmy back there. Wake up. <clears throat> all right. Better dwelling. Toronto new home sales doubled, even with COVID-19 pandemic warnings. It's so interesting tracking what's going on in the pre-construction business because it's so delayed. Altus Group, they just released their new home sales for, was it June, May? No, February. <laughs> February. 
This year is more over than it is to go, and we're talking about February. <laughs> but it's what we got. It's the numbers we have. And so Better Dwelling, they're talking about what the numbers look like pre-COVID. Really, it's pre-COVID because March was COVID. But knowing it was maybe coming, but not fully here yet. People were flat-footed at this point. So what was going on before COVID all happened? Because I think it sets the tone for what happened during COVID. In Greater Toronto, only condo prices are rising. Interesting point. The condo apartments were rising. They were up 21.3% year over year. Remember how I said condos were going like crazy, crazy hot? But all of a sudden it's like, oh yeah, we're up 6%. Oh, it's still okay. It's still okay. Yeah. Well, we were up 21% in the pre-construction zone in the condos in February. So time to wake up a little bit, right? Now, are we at the bottom? Maybe, but still big drops. But when we look at single family homes, like, oh, well, those must've been rising too, right? Like single family homes. No, they were actually down. They were down 2.2 from a year ago. So therefore, these 20% increases, these skyrocketing prices are incredible. Enjoy your returns, guys. Enjoy your returns. Hopefully they don't add a capital gains tax to your primary residence because that would really wake you up. The condo apartment benchmark is at a new all-time high while single-family homes remain over 15% below peak values reached in 2017. This is the closest both benchmarks have been in over half a decade. So I don't see the numbers here, but they're saying that the gap between the, the cost of condos and, and low-rise or single-family detached homes is closing. Now, has that changed again? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, this is why I'm saying this is so long ago, but it's so interesting to see the dynamic that was happening pre-COVID. And when we look at the number of new sales, new home sales, there were the, the numbers were 211% year-over-year increase for, what is this? There were, oh, that's overall, new homes up 211%. That's incredible. It's phenomenal. Breaking it down, condo apartments were up 197% and low-rise or, low or single families were up 228%. So significant growth that we had happening and maybe it's why we haven't had prices drop all that much there's a lot of competition and when covid happened they just pulled the brakes and you don't need to decrease your price anyways but here's another interesting point york region sees more new home sales than toronto the biggest growth was in york region with a 667 percent increase from last year 667 percent York region is now a slightly bigger market for than the city of Toronto. <laughs> Isn't that incredible? That is incredible. But no matter how hard they try, they'll never reach the world's tallest building, the library. Because <laughs> it has the most stories. <laughs> so the highest February inventory in over half a decade. This is great news, guys. This is some good news. It's a good way to leave off our weekend. We can smile a little bit. The big difference in the climb, here we go. Here's the numbers, right? Condo apartments, they represented 12,909 of these units. And we also had single family represented 4,290 units. That was down 18% from last year. There was an increase in condos of 15%. But overall, we reached in the greater Toronto area, 17,199 units in February. That's good. That's good. We are climbing. We are That amount is climbing in the past few years, and that is beautiful. That is a wonderful thing because we need the supply. Is it enough? No way. <laughs> no way. The GTA, think about it, brings in 100,000 new people on average, outside of COVID, on average. And so, but I do think that 17,000 pre-constructions is a step in the right direction. It's definitely a step in the right direction. Let's keep that trend moving forward. Let's not get complacent here. Recognize supply and affordability will continue to 
infest the city of Toronto. And apparently so will COVID in the fall. And so here's here's my thinking, guys. The safest classroom, okay, as I'm planning, well, my, my kids aren't old enough to go to school yet, but they will be soon. So we're, 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 we're thinking ahead. We're, we're mapping it out. <laughs> but realistically, think about it. The safest classroom right now is probably the airport, right? Like if you're going to go, there's a place, there's nobody there. It's the airport, right? They got all the checks and everything. Nobody wants to go there these days. So Bradley, tell me why your children are studying on an airplane. Because I want them to have higher education. <laughs> Thanks for listening to my corny jokes. We have fun anyways. And some people, I think, I think people, you come here for the real estate, but you keep coming back because my jokes are so bad. <laughs> I'm going to leave it there. It won't be on tomorrow. I like to try and take Sundays off with the family, but I'll be here hopefully bright and early on Monday. We'll see. Obviously, health-wise, health-dependent, we will see. And uh, I hope you guys have a wonderful weekend. I'll see you then. Take care and keep it real.